right now we just open our hearts wide to you. God, we're here to meet with you. God, we're here to hear from you. And Father, I just pray right now that you would speak to each one of us individually. You'd speak to us personally what we need to hear from you. And Father, right now we lay aside distractions and the cares of life and we fix our focus and our attention on you. God, have your way. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, in this season, in this series, we've been talking about the love of God. And, and we started out talking about the fact that sometimes we can just take the love of God for granted. Oh, yeah, I know God loves me. Oh, yeah, I heard the song when I was little, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves me, this I know. And we can just brush it off and say, oh, yeah, 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 I know God loves me. But we can never, ever take the love of God for granted. And we talked about the fact that sometimes we actually unintentionally push away the love of God and how we can better position ourselves to receive more of the love of God because we all can, no matter how long we've been walking with God, we can all receive more of his love. We can all grow deeper and experience more of his love. And we've learned how to position ourselves to do that, to really receive more of his love. And we've talked about women in the Bible who encounter God's love and it transformed their lives. We talked about the fact that we continually receive his love in different situations and seasons and phases of life. God reveals more and more of his love to us. And last week we started talking about the fact that the love of God produces maturity in our lives. The more we experience of his love, the more rooted in God we become, the more stable, the more secure, the more whole, the more mature we become in him. And last week, we really focused in on the fact that he starts to bring that maturity in our lives as we allow his love to bring healing in our lives because he loves us too much to leave us in the middle of our pain and our hurt and our shame. He wants to pull us out of that place. He loves us so much. He wants to pour his healing into every crevice of our lives so that we can grow and go forward in him, right? And God did some awesome things last week here. We just had some prayer time at the end if you were here. And God was really ministering to women. And over this last week, as I've run into several of you, I've heard so many amazing stories of what God has done in your life. Don't let go of those things. Walk forward in that healing and let God continually pour healing into our lives so that we can keep going forward in him. Amen? And you know, if you think about maturing, maturing really is a continual moving forward, isn't it? If you think about someone who's maturing, they're not going backwards. They're continually growing and going forward. It's as if there's a compelling, pushing them forward into their future, into their destiny. We're, as we mature, we're compelled forward into the life that God has for us. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, it says this, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. 
that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. In other words, Jesus died for all of us, right? So that we can die to ourselves and live for him. That amazing love of God was shed for us on that cross of Calvary as his blood was shed, as his body was broken for us in that amazing act of love so that we could live the life that he created us to live, a life full of his spirit, full of his purposes on this earth. And that's the life he wants us to live, that life that's continually being compelled forward into the purposes he created us for. How many of you want to be compelled forward into maturity, into the life he created you to live? How many of you want that? All right, I believe we all do. We all want that. So today, I want us to talk about a few more ways in which the love of God brings maturity, brings that compelling forward into our lives. Last week, we really zeroed in on just one way, that healing that he wants to bring in us, healing our pain and hurt. But today, we're going to hit the fast forward button, and we're going to talk about five more ways that the love of God will bring maturity into our lives, all right? So first way that I want to talk about today is that the love of God compels us to live lives free from sin and condemnation. A few weeks ago, as Maureen shared, she, one of the women in the Bible that she talked about was the adulterous woman. Think about that story with me for a moment. Her accusers pulled her out in the street. They drug her out, and they were pointing fingers at her. They were wanting to stone her. They were wanting to punish her for her sin. And they asked Jesus, what should happen to her? And what did Jesus do? He said, let him without sin cast the first stone. And then what happened? One by one, those same accusers began to walk away. And then they were all gone. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? Who has condemned you? And she had to look around and say, no one. They're gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He poured out amazing love in that moment to her. His love pushed away her accusers. See, people wanted to label her. People wanted to tie her to that sin forever. But Jesus intervened with a love, a love that silenced her accusers, a love that set her free from condemnation and delivered her from sin. And did you ever stop to think about the fact that as those accusers were one by one walking away, she could have run. She could have left right then and there. 
nobody would have stopped her. They knew they couldn't cast a stone. They knew they weren't without sin in their lives. She could have run. She could have held on to condemnation and the guilt for her sin and thought, I can't be left here standing with Jesus. I can't stand in front of Jesus with this sin in my life. She could have darted, bolted, run as far and fast as possible, but she didn't. She stayed there and let herself receive the love of God. And I think so often when we've got sin going on in our lives, we run from God. And he's saying, sweetheart, I just want to love you. I just want my love to pour in to that area of your life so you can receive my love and then go and sin no more. Be free from condemnation. Be free from those accusers. And just go and sin no more because I love you. His love will break through. Maybe in your life, maybe... There's been sin in your life, and people have tried to label you. Maybe they've tried to tie you to that sin or heap condemnation on you. Can I just tell you today that no matter what it is that you have struggled with, no matter what it is, no matter if it's adultery, as this woman, addiction, chronic lying or deception, gossip, Whatever it is, Jesus wants to pour his love into that area of your life to set you free from the sin and the condemnation. You know, so often when we think about sin, we think, oh my gosh, sin is just so horrible. If I sin, I, God's mad at me. I've disappointed him. He's not going to want to see me. He's not going to want to talk to me. Do you know what sin is in the original writing, the definition of sin? You know what it means? It means missing the mark. So let's just look at our little bullseye this morning. And that black dot in the center that's the life God has for you. That's the target. That's where he wants you to live. But sometimes we blow it, and we end up out here. I'm trying to do this with holding the mic. <laughs> we end up out here. And then we feel like a failure, and we run from God. And he's saying, sweetheart, just repent. Do you know what repentance literally means? We think repentance means crying 15 buckets of tears, or maybe it's 20. If I cry long enough and hard enough, God will forgive me. That has nothing to do with repentance. Do you know what repentance literally means? It means to turn and go in the right direction. So when we end up out here, it means we just turn and start going in this direction. God's just saying, come on, sweetheart. I'm with you. I'm holding your hand. Let's just turn and go in the right direction. Let my love overwhelm you. Don't run from me. Come, take my hand. Let's go into the fullness of the life I created you to live. See, when we experience the love of God, it helps us to live a life free from sin. But when we run from God, we bind ourselves to that sin. God wants us to be free 
from that sin and free from condemnation. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. Ladies, when we hide our sin from God, when we live under condemnation, we are pushing away the love of God. And his love is here to set us free and to compel us forward into the life he created us to live. Amen? All right. So the love of God compels us to live free from sin and condemnation. Number two, the love of God compels us to embrace the correction and discipline of God. Listen to these verses in Hebrews 12. I'm going to read uh, verses 5 through 11. It says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. I love that. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. In other words, his discipline's never going to stop, so we better learn to like it. <laughs> In verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Ladies, God disciplines us because he loves us. His discipline proves its evidence of his love for us. Doesn't a parent discipline uh, a child for their own good because the parent loves them? Of course. If your child runs out into the street, are you going to discipline them and correct them so that they don't do it again? If your child touches a hot stove, aren't you going to jump in and correct them so that they don't do it again because you love them? You don't want them to hurt themselves? Of course, and it's the same way with God and what he does for us. I remember one time years ago, I was a young adult, and I remember so vividly, I was sitting on my bed praying and reading my Bible, and the Holy Spirit just brought something to my mind that, I needed to deal with something that um, that I somewhere I needed to make an adjustment in my life, and instantly I I felt so bad. I thought, oh, 
oh my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. I've disappointed you. I've failed you. And immediately I just grabbed hold of that cloud of condemnation. And I just felt so horrible. Like, oh, I had just hurt God. I had just disappointed him so much. I was such a failure. And I remember sitting there and I just started reading my Bible. And I came across these verses that we just read in Hebrews chapter 12. And as I read those verses, it just hit me. Oh, my gosh. God, you're not mad at me. You're not disappointed with me. You're showing me that because you love me so much. You love me enough to show me that. You love me enough to help me be better. You're molding me and shaping me more and more into your image and likeness. And it set me free. And just like that, that cloud of condemnation was gone because I received his love and knew, oh my gosh, God loves me. That's why he's correcting me. That's why he disciplines me. We need to have a mental shift, a shift in our perspective, because so often when something comes to mind, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we think, oh, I'm such a failure, and we start to run from God and live under that cloud of condemnation that keeps us from drawing close to him. And he's saying, no, sweetheart, I love you so much. I'm helping you be better. I'm helping compel you forward into the life I have for you. If you'll just grab a hold of my love, you'll be moved forward and closer to all that I have for you. His love is what brings that discipline and that correction into our lives. And you know, as we said earlier, his love does set us free from sin, but we then need to allow his discipline, his correction, his instruction to teach us how to put safeguards in our life so that we're not susceptible to keep sinning in that way again so that we can experience continual freedom. So when his love comes in and sets us free from sin, that is awesome and sets us free from that condemnation. That is so wonderful. But then we need to see what his word says and receive his instruction, his correction, his discipline, so that we don't fall into that same trap again, so that we put safeguards in our lives. Amen? And then thirdly, the love of God compels us to draw closer to God. You know, the word is just so full of, of God's love for us and just his drawing us and saying, come, come to me. Come be with me. My arms are wide open to you. There's no shame here. Come just as you are. Come. I love that we can run to God with everything. You know, in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we are asking for. Ladies, we can run to God. We can draw close to him and have the assurance that he hears us and that he will answer our prayers. He is listening. How many of you like to be listened to? Anybody have football going on a whole lot in your house these days? <laughs> yeah. Anybody try to talk to someone else in your house who might be watching football? <laughs> and do you feel like maybe you're not being completely heard at the moment? 
Maybe we could find better timing. We won't get into all of that right now. <laughs> but sometimes we feel like someone's not listening to us. Can anyone relate? Have you ever felt not listened to? And how does that make you feel? We don't like that. We want to be listened to. Look at me. I know you say you're listening, but stop looking at the TV and look at me and listen. Ladies, can I tell you, we have God's full attention. He's listening. He's listening to us. He loves us. He hears us. Hey, when somebody else doesn't listen, say, it's okay. God will listen to me. I'm going in the other room. He's listening. He wants you to draw close. He hears and he will answer our prayers. And not only that, we can draw close to him knowing that we have security and protection in him. In 1 John 5, 18 and 19, it says this, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely. And the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God. And the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Ladies, there is chaos going around us. Um, there is chaos going on in the world around us. But we are held secure in the hand of God. We are protected by him. We can draw close to him. We don't need to stay far away, worrying and fretting about everything going on out here. Draw close to God. He holds you securely and protects you. Don't you love to be with someone who you feel safe with? We can draw closer to God, knowing that we are always, always safe with him. And the more we experience the love of God, the more we want to be in his presence. His love compels us to draw closer to him. Number four, the love of God compels us to be brave and very courageous. When Jesus was about to ascend to heaven and the Holy Spirit was coming to remain with us, he said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That is good news, isn't it? Why has he done this? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. He loves you. He has conquered the world for you because he loves you so very, very much. We have every reason to be full of courage and bravery. What do we need courage and bravery for? A whole lot of things. Let's just mention a few of them. Sometimes we need courage and bravery to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. He is a liar. We've talked about it so many times throughout this season. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. He may rule in this world, but Jesus overcame the world. So we have no reason to listen to him anymore. When, when 
someone tells you the truth, when truth is revealed and you keep listening to a lie, that's pretty silly, isn't it? Think about it like this. Maybe somebody gives you a really yummy cookie. It's really delicious. And somebody else tells you, oh, aren't those awesome? You know what those are made of? Those are made of wheat germ, bean sprouts, and kale. There you go. <laughs> and what would we do? We'd be like, oh, really? I can eat something this delicious and it's healthy? Ah! And we get all excited about it. We buy the lie hook, line, and sinker because we want to believe that. And then the person that made the cookie says, oh, do you like my cookies? Oh, here's the recipe. It has a flour, sugar, butter, chocolate chip, da-da-da-da-da. And we say, oh, no. No, 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 no. Somebody told me it has kale and wheat germ and bean sprouts. Mm -hmm. That's what's in these cookies. And she says, Oh, no, I made them. Here, come on, let's go make some. I'll show you exactly how they're made. She makes them. We see it with our own eyes. And then we say, oh, no, <laughs> they're really made with kale and wheat germ and bean sprouts. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sticking with that one. Uh-huh. That would just be stupid, wouldn't it? <laughs> None of us would do that because it's stupid. But <clears throat> sometimes that's what we do with the enemy's lies. And God is telling us right here in his word. He says, I have overcome the world. These are the words of Jesus. They're in red. <laughs> this is him telling us, I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. We cannot listen to the enemy's stupid lies anymore. We need to be women who rise up with courage and bravery and just kick him to the curb and choose to believe the truth of God's word. Amen? Sometimes we need courage and bravery to let go of the baggage of the past. In Philippians 3, verse 13, it says, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Ladies, if we want to go forward in God, if we want to mature and grow into all that he created us to be, we cannot do it while we're holding on to the past. You can't strain forward and hold on to the past at the same time. And I know last week, God did some pretty amazing things in setting women free from some baggage of the past. And I just want to give you a little reminder, girls, we can't afford to pick it back up again. And whether it happened here last week or whenever in our lives, however God chooses to do it, we cannot afford to hold on to the baggage of the past. We've got to be women that rise up with courage and bravery and say, no way, I'm not going back there again. We need courage and bravery to rise up in the face of adversity and uncertainty. 
We just read the scriptures that tells us that in this world we will have trials. We will have challenges and tribulation going on around us. But be of good courage. You know why? Because God loves us. He's with us. He's for us. He's holding us secure in his hand. We can be courageous. No matter what adversity comes, no matter what uncertainty comes our way, God is holding us. He's not going to drop us. His hands are really big. He won't drop you, I promise. He's holding you because he loves you. Be brave. Be courageous. <clears throat> we need the, the love of God to compel us to be brave and courageous to step out of our comfort zones. Ladies, God did not create us to live small, limited, contained lives. God loves us. He has more for us. He wants to use us on this earth. Everything he is doing on the earth today, how does he do it? He does it by his spirit. And where does his spirit live? In us. So he wants to use us. So we can't afford to sit back and just live our little limited, contained life. We need to step out of our comfort zones and let him use us. We need to be bold to just share his love with everyone around us, to be used by him in ways we never even expected. We've got to be willing to step out of our comfort zones. It tells us right there in the verses we read, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. What do we have to be afraid of? He says, go, step out. Let me use you. He's not going to let us fall. How many of you have ever played that, that little game? Well, if you could do anything you ever wanted to do with the assurance that you would not fail, what would you do? You know, it's kind of like that's what we're saying. But God's given us the assurance. You cannot fail. I have deprived the world of its power to harm you. I have conquered the world and I've conquered it for you. He says you cannot fail. So what would you do? Do it. Step out of your comfort zone and do it. Let him use you in magnificent ways. He wants to use each and every one of us. It's not a game. It's the word of God. And he says, go. Let me use you. Let me pour myself through you. See, ladies, we can do amazing things for God. We can let his love flood through us and compel us forward to do incredible things for him. However, in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us that if we don't love in the midst of it, None of it's worth anything. So yes, absolutely, we need to be doing those amazing things. But we need to make sure we're allowing his love to compel us to love extravagantly. And that's number five. The love of God will compel us to love others extravagantly. How do we do that? What does that look like, to love extravagantly? Well, think about how God loves us. That's extravagant love. God loves everybody. He loves all of our differences. He loves us all the same. No matter what our background was, no matter what sin we were involved with, no matter what, he loves us all. But yet we can just stick with those who are kind of like us. 
We need to let his love compel us to embrace each other's differences. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, Jesus has torn down and destroyed the dividing walls between us. If we're going to let his love flood through us, that means we need to allow all dividing walls among us be torn down and love each other, love our differences. I don't know if you ever do this, but if I'm at a mall or out somewhere where it's good people watching, I love to watch women together. And usually they're together at a mall while the men are sitting in the little massaging chairs like my husband. And um, if you watch women shopping together, it is quite amusing because almost always they're with someone very much like themselves. If you watch the little pairs or little groups of women, they look alike. They'll, they'll have similar hairstyles, similar style outfits. They'll have similar handbags. It is quite amusing. Check it out. We gravitate towards people like us. But ladies, we need to start embracing each other's differences, learning from each other, growing closer together, loving each other extravagantly. If we're going to love extravagantly, that means we need to love our families. It needs to start at home. Sometimes, sometimes they're the hardest to love because we're with them day in, day out. We see the good, bad, the ugly. But you know what? They see the good, bad, the ugly too. <laughs> we can't forget. It goes both ways. And we need to be willing to love our families extravagantly. We need to be willing to respect our husbands extravagantly. Because in Ephesians 5, it says that's how we should demonstrate love to them. That's what speaks to them is when we demonstrate our love through respect for them. Are we respecting our husbands extravagantly? Hmm, how did that go this morning in your house? I don't know. But just a little food for thought. If we're going to love extravagantly, we need to see Jesus in everyone, including our offenders, including those who have hurt us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Okay, think about this with me for a moment. You know, they knew Jesus as he walked on the earth. They knew him according to the flesh. But once he went to heaven, once they had a revelation of who he was, wow, that changed everything. It's like, wow, we only saw what we thought he was on this earth. Now we see something totally different. How often do we only regard people according to the flesh, taking them only at face value, summing them up in that first impression, summing them up in that one little comment we heard them make when they were having a really hard time? We recently sat with some friends who, they're just going through a bit of a hard time. Someone had done something to one of their children to really bring a lot of pain to that child. And as parents, they hurt their hearts so much. And I'm sure that in their flesh, they just wanted to lash out at this person. I'm sure in their flesh, you know, they were just so hurt and angered by this person. But you know what they kept saying over and over? 
they kept saying, we're choosing not to regard this person according to the flesh. We're choosing not to regard them according to the flesh. We're choosing not to see them according to the flesh. Because in the flesh, it didn't look good. In the flesh, it hurt. Wow. I just sat there and listened to them. I left with tears streaming down my face. I thought, wow, that's extravagant love. That is really extravagant love. How often do we regard people solely according to the flesh? We need to start seeing what Jesus sees. And you know what he sees? He sees himself because he created all of us in his image and likeness, and he sees his reflection shining back at himself. That's what he sees. Wow, do we see that in others? That's loving extravagantly. And we love extravagantly by loving the unlovable. One last scripture in Matthew 5, starting in verse 43, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the world tells us, isn't it? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you to show that you are the children of your Father who is in heaven. After verse 44, there's not a period there. There's a comma. That sentence continues into verse 45. If we love our enemies, we show that we are children of our Father in heaven. Wow. And then it continues and says, For he makes his sun to rise on the wicked and on the good, and makes the rain to fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. For if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brethren, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles, the heathens, do that? You, therefore must be perfect. Listen to this. Growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect. As we started out today, I asked for a show of hands. How many of you want to be mature and go forward in God, and everyone raised their hands. But if I had said, how many of you want to love your enemies? I might not have gotten so many hands raised. But it's telling us right here that that is what proves our love for God, and that proves that we're receiving his love. The way we love others is evidence of how much we're allowing God's love to transform our lives and mature us. Ladies, the love of God will absolutely, unquestionably transform our lives, and it is a continual transformation process, compelling us forward into wholeness and maturity compelling us forward into the life he created us to live if we allow it to, if we refuse to become calloused and take his love for granted, if we embrace his love and seek it out and yearn for it, daily desiring more 
of his love. I want to grow in God. I want to grow in his love and let his love mature me forward into the life he has for me. Do you? Amen. Let's just pray together this morning. Thank you, Father. God, we are so grateful for your love. I'm so thankful that you love us no matter what. And Father, I just pray that each one of us would continually receive more and more and more of your love so that we can be compelled forward into maturity, into the lives you created us to live, lives that flood your love out to others around us. And Father, I just pray that you just speak to us this morning. And if there's areas that we talked about where we need to make adjustments, God, if there's areas where we need your love to free us from lifestyles of sin or condemnation, God, I pray that you just speak to us and show us those things. Father, if there's areas we need your love to just draw us more into your presence where we've run from you, God, show us, draw us. Help us to understand you love us no matter what. Oh, Father, God, in every area, Father, if there's areas where we need to be more bold and more courageous in you, God, help us. Show us that you love us and you've got us and you're with us and we don't have anything to be afraid of. Father, if there are others in our lives that we need to love more extravagantly with your love, God, I pray that you would help us. God, I'm so grateful that you gave us the Holy Spirit as our helper. And Father, we just ask that you'd help us to grow in your love and go forward as mature women fulfilling our purposes for you on this earth, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.